Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Recorded live. Welcome to the Tuesday Night's Triumph Over Targeting podcast. I'm your moderator, Ella. And tonight we have another special guest. Uh, join me as we welcome Ken Peartree. If you are new to the call, please stay on, and we will get you some additional support, some additional talk show podcast numbers, and hopefully some helpful links and websites. This is a solutions and educational-based podcast. And the views and opinions of my guests are not necessarily my own personal views and opinions. But my goal is that everyone here can obtain something out of tonight. And if you have any suggestions, comments, questions, or especially if you're in need of some additional support, please don't hesitate uh, to email me at tiangel2016.com. Okay, so now again, I want to take the opportunity to introduce you. Hi, Ken. Hi, Ella. How are you? I'm doing great. So I do want to give a quick introduction. Um, again, this is Ken Paratree, and Ken will be discussing psychological warfare systems used in support of mind control. Ken joined the United States Air Force when he, where he served. I'm sorry, he served tours of duties in the United States <clears throat> and overseas in Spain, the Philippines, as well as twice in both England and South Korea. Ken worked in logistics with a specialty in petroleum oils lubricant. Cryogenic support primarily for aircraft line in operation. He worked all levels of his career from direct aircraft refueling, fuel storage, laboratory testing, to quality control and inspection, just to name a few. In the later years of his career, Ken served as a senior division enlisted manager with overall responsibility for managing an operation of over 60 personnel and assets valued at over $200 million. He also completed special duty assignments such as program manager and principal petroleum logistic advisor to the commander, third air forces in Great Britain, responsible for European regional logistics contingency, support planning, and Ken's military career culminated in achieving the second highest enlisted grade of E-8 senior master sergeant. Following a career that spanned 25 years and five presidents, Ken retired from the U.S. Air Force and worked for government contractors where he managed aviation fuel storage, tank maintenance, carrying out duties ranging from site superintendent, quality control officer, and responsible officer to construction manager and project manager. Government contract work took Ken to dozens of states as well as later duties in Germany, Italy, Belgium, and Portugal. And Ken also holds a minor degree in logistics and a bachelor's of science degree for business management from Colorado Technical University. There you go. So that's just the start. So anyways, um, what I'm going to do is turn it over to you, Ken, and you can tell us a little bit about yourself. And hopefully you can also get into, you know, the reasons for your targeting um, and the details of that because, of course, that will interest us. And um, and, uh, hope, and just pay attention because I might ask some questions while you're speaking. So thank you, Ken, again. Yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you for allowing me the opportunity to, to speak here. I, um, I was a little reluctant to, to get in the, bu- the public forum like this, but um, we targeted 
people. I, I prefer victims of uh, psychological uh, warfare uh, are, are going through a lot. And if I can say or present anything here today that might help uh, another person going through similar circumstances um, have a better run at this than I had, uh, less, less trial and error, then uh, I'm, I'm happy to do that. So what, what I'd like to do is talk about uh, first my circumstance so everyone understands um, how I arrived at this moment. Um, mine is complex, lifelong. Um, my opening statement is longer than I'd like it. I would have liked it to be, but um, I think I need to cover um, the broad spectrum of, of what has happened at this point. And, and then I'd like to go over some some uh, key things I think that will help uh, anyone in this situation. I'd like to talk about the, um, the, the control and monitoring systems that they use. And I want to provide a little insight from my point of view uh, on, on gang stalking, which I think is of paramount importance. And um, also I want to talk about the, the system that they use to prop up this entire apparatus. So, thing um, before I start, Ella. She's muted, probably. Yeah, I'm sorry. What, what was the question? Do I have any other questions before you start? Yeah. No, I think you're where you're going. The direction you're going is of interest to the listeners. So I just appreciate it, and I'll just turn it back over to you. Okay. So I want I want to start by uh, saying I didn't have a lot of time. Uh, I, sh I should say I didn't take a lot of time to prepare for this, so if I stumble a little bit on my opening reading, I apologize in advance. I'm not a great um, speaker from paper. I prefer to speak uh, as I am now. So here we go. I'm a lifelong victim of covert, covert surveillance and non-consensual human experimentation. In my opinion, these are the most heinous crimes ever devised by man because they are designed to remove all human dignity through a process which includes slow and methodical torture, overt and covert harassment, the use of co covert electronic weapons, and psychological tactics designed to push the victim with the sole purpose of finding and documenting individual breakpoints. At the heart of this program appears to be the rollout pilot systems for the mass control of society through behavior modification. I now, must, I now must surmise that my entire life has been embroiled in this nightmare, dating back even to the time when I was in high school. In my case, careful controls have dictated every long-term personal relationship I have had since puberty until today. Unfortunately, I now know that I even married a perk. My career of outstanding performance was, has always been sprinkled with some subtle and very, up to very aggressive harassment inside the workplace. For decades, I assumed that my drive for excellence that caused, I assumed that my drive for excellence is what caused jealous coworkers to seek to tear me down socially and in the workplace. I believe that I had the most 
I had to be the most unlucky man in the world. Someone was always against me. Now I understand that this was simply a need to prevent memories of a great guy or some wonderful person after I left that workplace. They were controlling the narrative. From puberty until today, they control the narrative. You see, if an individual has strong bonds and lasting relationships, it would be much more difficult to spread lies against them. It would be much more difficult to manufacture a false narrative. After military retirement, I was given a job that I did not apply for. I was called out of the blue by a former military coworker that I now know was a perp. He said he applied for the job but did not want to travel. That's easy enough to believe, except for the fact that he was hired for a job that traveled just a couple of months later. I was given a task that I was never trained to do, but I worked hard, learned, and I excelled. Then I decided, Then uh, they decided to promote me to project manager, a job that I was also not trained for and gave me what was the most uh, difficult and complex job of any in our division, more than even our most se seasoned project managers. Not only did I do the job, but I was the highest performing project manager in my group in the first four year, earning a bonus of $35,000 for outstanding performance. Less than one year later, I mean less than one month later, sorry, actually it was just a little over three weeks, I was terminated for poor performance on a project that belonged to the chief harasser, whom I now know also was a perp. He pawned this job off on me under my protest because I had already noted a myriad of problems that this project had before I accepted it. I complained about this person's actions on the project and, I also, uh, and also about some of the disturbing business practices that I had encountered at this location. The company terminated me for poor performance. I had never had a performance problem on any project and has never been canceled on anything. Weeks after a huge bonus for outstanding performance, the largest in my group, I was terminated for poor performance. I filed a whistleblower complaint against that company based on that disturbing information that I had talked to them about pushed by my attorney and against my best gut feeling, I went along with this action. Something was not right, and I knew that from the start, and I was right in a huge way. The entire setup for the whistleblower case was to get the proof of fraud on this contractor under court-ordered seal. They decided not to take, the government decided not to take the case, then they sealed the evidence. I was suckered. Immediately after, immediately after rejecting the whistleblower case, I was offered a similar job in Europe. I had a bad feeling about that one as well. But at the time, I was selling real estate, and it was hard to turn down guaranteed six figures, all expenses paid, tax-free job in Europe compared to a job where if I didn't sell a property, I didn't make money. I took the job, 
and the harassment began almost immediately. I now know that that job was for the kill. My life was supposed to end in Germany. I luckily saw what had to be a hazardous substance in a glass. It was clear, clear as water. But when I touched it with my finger, the tip of my finger became numb and it stayed numb for almost a week. Had I not seen it in the glass and poured some liquid in it and drank it, I am certain that I would be dead. Outside the country, everything they did was outside of U.S. law. Yet when I reported it, it was ignored. The police refused to even test the substance that was in that glass. They said they didn't know what it, what it was, and it might cost too much, so they didn't want to test it. Yes, that's unbelievable. I reported the entire saga to the to, uh, first to the U.S. consulate in Berlin, who gave me, who told me that they would they would uh, get the FBI involved, but the FBI never contacted me. The consulate asked me to file a report with the local police, and I did. I also reported the matter to the to the Army uh, Command Investigation Division (CID) the Air Force Office of Special Investigation, OSI. None of them contacted me once. With no contact from anyone, I was very concerned. I saw this as an attempt on my life. My apartment had been broken into as well. My locks were tampered with while I was asleep, and my phone and computers were hacked. This level of harassment was deeply concerning, not just in its scope, but because they acted with apparent complete impunity. I had to know what, what, I, what I was up against, so I set out documenting everything. At that time, I had been led to believe that the previous government contractor was behind all of this, but this was a new company. It was not logical, logical to me that a new company would do virtually exactly the same thing as the previous company, but this time much worse. I mailed requests to the, for investigation to the Department of Justice, the Inspector General for the Department of Justice, Senator Bill Nelson from Florida, and Nancy Pelosi from the Congressional Intelligence Committee. The only response that I received was from Bill Nelson telling me that he could not do anything except forward my request to the appropriate offices. He gave me a letter back from the FBI stating a number that I should call for help. When I called that number, they were rude. They yelled at me and asked me why was I calling them. They didn't recognize the name on that paper, and they couldn't help. That was when the overt gang stalking started, followed by uh, toxin lace food, and drink, including a drink that I now understand contained a metallic substance that I believe were nanoparticles. I, had, I remember drinking that liquid and feeling how heavy it felt in my stomach, unlike anything I had ever seen before. Within minutes, my heart was racing, 
so fast, I almost went to the emergency room. At that point, the harassment ratcheted up to direct to energy weapons, and they even changed the medications that I was taking to affect me differently when I took them. This was all unimaginable to me. And up to this point, I had no idea why or what was going on. I started to recognize the psychological aspects of the operation. Then I said, this will not define me. I will face this unknown and I will get to the bottom of it. Of it. And through, a process, through the process of, of elimination, I had surmised by this point that because this had occurred in three countries and our own government would not even speak to me, they had to be involved. Little did I know how absolutely involved they were. In a desperate move to find peace, I left Europe but feared my um, evidence would be tampered with or destroyed if I entered the United States, so I stopped off in Canada. My data collection was all that I had. The most disturbing thing is that, for me, was that I served my country for 25 years. Full military career and the military and the VA were active participants in this ordeal. I have never received anything from a general practice medical care except for just a casual office visit. I am implanted. I am implanted with objects that I had no idea would go into my body. Those implants were placed in my body in military and VA treatment centers. It has come clear to me that they want me dead. The substance in that glass, I believe, was designed to end my life. But a fact that I had not even considered up to this point was much, much more serious, and I had no idea at the time. In 2006, I contracted septicemia. Septicemia is very, very rare in healthy, non-drug using, and not immune deficient people. Typically, it is a drug user or HIV patient or something of that sort that contracts that disease. I had spent the night at a uh, girlfriend's house at the time. I now know that she also was a perp. And I woke up that morning with lower back pain, feeling kind of sluggish, slight headache, and a pain in my left leg. These are all something I've never encountered before. The drive home from her house was about 45 minutes. I drove home, and by the time I got to my house, I knew that I had—I was running a temperature. I knew that I had a fever. I checked my temperature, and my, my temperature was about 101. And I knew that something was wrong. I just did not know what. I had a couple things to purchase. I went downtown, the shops near my house, and, and uh, picked up a few things, got, got back to my house in about 30 minutes. 
When I arrived back home, I checked my temperature again, and it was 103. Then I knew it was serious. A lot of times when someone feels ill like that, they'll say, well, I'll lie down, and, and, and if I don't feel better, then I'll go into the doctor later. Thank God I decided not to do that. I grabbed some things, and I went to the emergency room. When I got to the emergency room, they drew blood. And after drawing blood, they didn't know what it was, and they gave me some antibiotics and told me, uh, come back and see my regular doctor on Monday. That was Saturday morning. On Sunday morning, I woke up. I was feeling a little bit better, and my phone rang early morning around 9 or 10 o'clock. It was the doctor that I spoke to in the emergency room the other day. And he said, Ken, we'd like you to come in, and uh, we want to treat you. I said, okay, well, uh, I have crews that I have to get started because I was in charge of a site. I have crews that I want to get started, and I'll, I'll get them started tomorrow morning, and I'll be in uh, as soon as I get them started. He said, no, we kind of need you to come in now. Those are chilling words when a doctor tells you that you need to come in to the hospital. And they admitted me. You see, on that drive to the to the um, doctor's office, I didn't know why it happened, and because I felt better later on, I didn't really question it at the time. I'd make an, I'd made that drive. It was a VA hospital. I'd made that drive a half dozen times. From my house, it was probably five turns. I got lost twice on the way to the hospital. Desepsisemia can cloud your judgment. It can make it difficult to make even simple decisions. Had I laid down in my bed and went to sleep, I would have been dead. It's a very, very deadly disease, a deadly disorder. And I went to the hospital, and thank God they took the blood and gave me antibiotics at the time. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here. 30 days of antibiotics to cure that. I was visited by probably a dozen specialists, including the Center for Disease Control. None of them knew how I contracted that condition. It wasn't possible. After the Center for Disease Control came in and visited me, all of a sudden, a doctor came in and said, oh, you had swelling in your legs. That's, that's what caused it. You had swelling in one of your legs. It was caused from that. I've searched since that time, and I have never seen that condition mentioned as a possible cause. But that stopped the Center for Disease Control from investigating further because they said they found the reason. I was just happy I was better. So that is how I got to today. Looking back on that and understanding it in today's eyes, I have to wonder how something so rare could have happened to me. I have one of probably the best immune systems. Um, I shouldn't, say that, shouldn't put it that way. I have a very, very good immune system. 
My last call was in 1984. And I know that because I had um, a mild case of pneumonia at that time, and I've never had a cold since then. I have a very, very good immune And they could look at my records and tell that I've never been treated for anything like that. I don't take flu shots. I don't take any of those things. I have a good immune system. Yet I contracted a disease that's a condition that's predominantly for immune deficient persons. I don't believe it was my leg. I believe that when I slept that night, they set out to end my life at that point. And it would have looked like a common death from an uncommon disease or condition. That's how I got here. This is where we're going. Secretary of Defense William S. Cohen said in the viewpoint on December 1st, 1998, one can envision the development of electromagnetic energy sources, the output of which can be pulsed, shaped, and focused, that can couple with the human body in a fashion that will allow one to prevent voluntary muscle movements, control emotions, and thus actions, produce sleep, transmit suggestions, interfere with both short-term and long-term memory, produce an experience set, and delete an experience set. It would also appear possible to create high-fidelity speech in the human body, raising the possibility of covert suggestion and psychological notice. Thus, it may be possible to talk to selected adversaries in a fashion that would be most disturbing to them. These are the words of William S. Cohen, who was Secretary of Defense when I was in the Air Force. I, I must tell you, I idolize that man. I took particular interest in him because um, he he was a a white man with a African American wife. So obviously, I noticed him. And the more I learned about him, I read about him, the more I saw what a great person he was. And I cannot believe for the life of me that he could have realized at that time that this program that they were developing, that he talked about for the viewpoint in 1998, would be used for such heinous purposes. But everything that he mentioned everything that he talked about here that he believed that they would be able to do in the coming decades has been achieved. These are the words of the highest office in the Department of Defense. These are not idle words. This is not some scientist trying to get funds. This is a guy who ran the Department of Defense, and he said we will be able to do this. And they have. We all know that this started back in the 50s with, um, well, back back up for a second. Before I start to get off into more of the, the means and methods, I told you my story. Um, everything that I talk about, I believe that I've arrived to through, I've arrived to through um, 
solid documentation and educating myself on the ways and means and processes. I have a extended background in in quality control and quality management. And what that does is allow me to to evaluate the hows and whys of processes. And I've sought to understand this process ever since I've realized after sending requests for investigations to every agency that I could think of that may would help that I needed to understand what I was up against. And I believe those that training has served me well. I use the five whys a lot. And I use logic. Human beings are logical creatures. People will tell you otherwise, but same human beings are logical creatures. If something someone says or does does not make sense to you, if it doesn't add up, it's because you're working with incomplete information. They have something that you don't know because otherwise it would be logical. I guarantee if you knew what they knew, it would all add up to what they were, what they were saying or why they said it. Just the way we operate as humans. So my goal is to provide perspective to allow others to learn from my experience. Every TI has similar experiences, and every TI has something that's just a little different from the, from the other. But they all have a same, the, the very same basic foundation. All of these programs, not all of them are directly operated by federal programs, but they're Every single one of them are either operating directly or indirectly under federal guidelines and directives. And I know this because if they were not, then ask yourself, why don't they investigate? Not once, not ever. There are tens of thousands of people saying the same types of things, not in their homes, not to their neighbors, but they're saying this online and, and on Facebook and on Twitter, places that they monitor. The, the government admits that they monitor vigorously. So they cannot pretend that they don't know that these people are complaining about the same things. And there's never been an investigation, so you have to ask yourself, why not? I'm not a proponent of all these different groups, Illuminati's and, and Masons and, 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 and even some churches involved. Some of these groups may be doing things, but these are fellow citizens. These are fellow citizens. They don't have a responsibility to you or I. When fellow citizens act against other fellow citizens, it's the state and local government's responsibility to protect them. So you, ask, you have to ask yourself, why aren't they protecting us? These are crimes, including people dying. Why aren't they protecting us? 
And for, for me, it's only one answer to that question. They're not protecting us because these are their programs. They benefit from them, and then to expose them exposes themselves. And back to my logic, no one in their right mind is going to expose themselves to lifetime in prison, public shame, and scrutiny. Just not going to do it. So until these programs are exposed, they're never going to investigate anything. It's our responsibility to make sure they do. So in the 1950s, the MK Ultra program, I'm not going to get into it. We've heard it a million times. But this was the start of the mind control research. Mind control is just a nice way of saying brainwashing. In the late 1990s, these programs were uh, taken into high gear by William S. Cohen and, and, and his crew. As we were, as we talked, as I talked about a little while ago, these mind control tests, these mind control systems have to be tested. I mean, let's look at the meaning of brainwashing. Intense, formidable indoctrination, usually political or religious, aiming at destroying a person's basic convictions and attitudes and replacing them with an alternative set of fixed beliefs. The application of concentrated means of persuasion, such as advertising, campaign, or repeated suggestion, suggestion in order to develop a specific belief or motivation. Does that sound like brainwashing or does it sound like mind control? They're one and the same. These are one and the same, except for if the government had a brainwashing program, the public would be outraged. It's not socially acceptable. MK also demonstrated also to the American public that these types of tests on this human, especially non-consensual human experimentation, the American people simply won't accept. The problem with mind control experimentation is that you can only do mind control experimentations on humans. And just like double blind tests when medical experiments are conducted, you <laughs> They, they, they do double-blind tests because they don't want the patient to know that they receive the actual drug because if people believe that something will happen, then tests have shown that it could possibly happen. So if you conduct in mind control experiments, it's logical to think that they would not want the patient to know that they have been entered in a mind control test. And that is you, and that is me. So if they test, if they're testing us, they're evaluating our actions. They respond to our actions, and, and they evaluate our response to their actions. 
This is a clandestine operation. Mm -hmm. Are you, are you still there, Ella? Yes, I am. I'm right here. Okay. Because I my system can call for any time, I just want to make sure that I have you popped up. Yeah. There's a little um, bit of feedback on your phone. It gets a little reverb on it or something, but um, you're still. Uh, we can still hear you well. Okay, great. Thanks. I'll move that speaker away. That'll help. Um... So a clandestine operation, if you're going to uh, operate in a clandestine operation, it, it, the clandestine operations are characterized by uh, by secrecy, by concealment, especially for the purposes of subversion and deceit. So they can't tell us. They cannot tell us, and they don't want the American public to know. The overlords of this program are the usual suspects, NSA, CIA, FBI. They have combined budgets of $52 billion, and they hide behind what they want the public to believe, that they're protecting vital U.S. secrets. They say they want to protect us from terrorists. 9-11. America was terrorized on 9-11, frightened to the core, unlike anything that we have seen in our lifetime. Who remembers the color-coded alerts, color-coded alerts that happened after 9-11? It changed the system. Every few weeks, we were going from yellow to red, and everyone became frightened. You had people purchasing purchasing plastic for ricin exposure to their homes. People were terrified. Then you had Sandy Hook, the Orlando nightclub massacre. These are all things that to make us feel helpless, that we can't protect ourselves. We, we as citizens cannot stop any of those things that threaten us from happening. And when when citizens are threatened, when citizens feel vulnerable, then they are willing to give up some freedoms for protection. Take away my freedoms. Just make me feel safe. Remember those words. Take away my freedoms, but just make me feel safe. That is what this is all about. This is a control system. This is a system of mass control. And they want you to voluntarily give up your rights as citizens so that they can exert greater control over the populace. Multi-year clandestine operations designed to force the American people into accepting social control and to give up personal freedoms that are expressly protected by the U.S. Constitution. At the top of this food chain, coordinating all the efforts, is the fusion centers across the country. This is the heart and control 
of how they operate. The fusion, the fusion centers act as a, a conduit between these um, upper-level intelligence agencies, local, state, and even community and private um, entities. This is what then-President Bush said that he wanted a way to disseminate information, as he said, to, pro to protect the American people. The fusion centers operates private corporations and, fiber and private um, groups that are designed to influence Americans to spy on Americans. These government-private partnerships also bring together people as one group against one group of Americans against another group of Americans. What that does is takes care of what is one of the most important parts of this overarching program. And it's two words that I want you to remember and two words that I want you to research and two words that I want you to think about as much as, as you can. Complicity and deniability. Those are the two most important words that you can of, of anything that's that will that involves what affects us. These organizations by signing up to become part of these private partnerships, these government partnerships, these um, private groups, they take part in these actions against other people. They become insiders. People feel good when they're part of something that they feel that they're inside on, that they are one of the people, quote-unquote, making a difference. They have no idea. They have no idea what these people are doing to us. And the ones close enough to know are already tarnished enough to not care. Here's the other big thing. Money. Tons and tons of money. You think for a second that Google gives the United States government access to their network without payment? You think Google for a second allows um, you think that uh, Facebook for a second allows the government to monitor traffic on their systems without payment, and on and on and on. These people are making tons of money. They have no allegiance to the citizens or their customers whatsoever. They're making huge sums of cash, huge parts of their bottom line. They are not going to give it up. No way, unless they have to. Once they take their money, once they sign these 
agreements between them and the government, they are vowed to secrecy for life. <coughs> I held I held a secret security clearance. Nothing that I was ever given in secret can ever be talked about by me. They can arrest me. It doesn't matter that that clearance is not is not active now. I can talk about it when I'm 70, and they can roll in and arrest me and throw me in jail. You're bound for life. You're, you're bound by civil and criminal penalty. This is instant complicity. Once you work within this program, you are part of this program, and you can never talk about it. For government contractors, which was my area of, of expertise, this is a this is a cash cow. A lot of these a lot of these contracts are what's called cost plus. And cost plus contracts are just what the name implies. These are contracts where the government asks for bids and you tell them how much you would charge to carry out a specific set of tasks. You tell them your cost for that specific set of tasks, and the government allows you to put on top of that your operating expense and profit. That's why it's called cost plus. What it costs you to do it, plus your operating expense and acceptable operating expense and, and and your profit. So it is a huge opportunity to drive up costs because the more you spend, the more it costs, the more you make. It's, there, there are contracts where if you can't find additional costs, they're not very lucrative. But the problem is the government never thinks of everything, and everything that you do outside the contract is an additional cost that can be negotiated each time that the costs occur. It is an opportunity to make credible profits. We've all heard about the things that went on in, in the uh, Middle East and, and Iraq and Afghanistan. Those were mostly all cost-plus contracts. You heard the story of them burning brand-new cars and computers because they didn't meet specifications and say they couldn't use them. Too expensive to ship them back, so you just burn them, and they order another one. And they got the government pay for the first one, and then they will pay for the second one. That's the way cost plus works. Second most important part of this equation are the psychiatrists. The mental health community are the most important players in this entire operation because they go back to the word that I spoke about before, deniability. The government does not have to answer to crazy people. No one has to answer to crazy people. So, the former Soviet Union proved that 
in the 30s, 40s, and 50s. And they were vilified for it here in the United States for the awful practice of attacking dissidents in that country by throwing them in mental institutions. And as the United States does, they took that system, they refined it to a fine art. Because they don't have to throw you into a mental institute. All they have to do is get a medical professional qualified to evaluate to say that you have a mental disorder. And that is the heart of the entire protection system, the deniability in this program. Everything that happens to targeted individuals revolves around that. Everyone who's in the mind control, non-consensual mind control program have been entered into this control system from the beginning. This is instant deniability. This is the out. This is the get out of jail free card that is extremely difficult to beat. Because these this science of the science of psychiatry is riddled with unscrupulous characters who don't make a lot of money normally. And if you offer them the opportunity to make millions and all they have to do is diagnose a patient's symptoms, they're going to have the symptoms. Oh, they're going to have the symptoms, all the symptoms they need, because that's the way the program's designed. But they're never going to look at the, the ulterior means for those same symptoms, which are obvious to the point of blatantly obvious. But if you don't look at them, then you always go back to the clinical diagnosis. And it's easy to do. I like to call them the straight-faced lies. They're the most important players because once you are diagnosed as mentally ill, then you have no rights. They can do whatever they want. You can't defend yourself in court. No attorney in this land is going to defend you in court. And if you can't be defended in court, you're not a person. You're not, you're, you're not a citizen. You have no rights. None whatsoever. And then they can continue. They can continue to torture. They can continue to mind control experimentation. But now they can do it instead of covertly. They can admit you and conduct any test they want. And you can say they did this, you can say they did that, it doesn't matter because no one's going to believe you. If you go and conduct mind control experimentation against a person's will, the fact that I was talking about how they acted with impunity I knew from the early days of this operation that this was something that I could not have dreamed of. This is something that was not a simple system designed just to harm me because it was too polished, too perfect. 
Oh, this is the heart of it. It is the protection method. And it's tried and true. And it's worked every time that I know of. Look at the recent case of, of the young man who attacked the mass the mass killings by people who said they were in voices. What's the first thing they said about them? They were under mental health care. That's all you have to say. You don't have to say that they were crazy. You can say they were attending, they were under mental health care. And that's all it takes. General public says, oh, yeah, another crazy one. And no one's going to ask any questions. The other important players are the police. They have to look the other way as well. They have to. If they investigate, if they investigate gang stalking and find someone gang stalking, that's very serious. It could unravel the entire thing. You wonder why the police are not investigating? I don't think it's their decision not to investigate. I'm sure there's lots of very good police officers who would say, if there's a crime, I'm going to solve it. But I guarantee you their boss won't let them do it. When you go in for evaluation and start, and you say you're you're hearing voices, that doctor is not going to ask you, "Do you believe you're a victim of directed energy weapons?" If you even if you tell him, he's not going to hear it. He's going to forget he heard it and send you to see a psychiatrist who's going to diagnose you as for some mental disorder and try to put you on meds so that they can complete the circle. Pharmacists, pharmaceutical organizations. I had custom medications. I took the same medication for the better part of seven years. And one day I took that med- medication and it affected me in a way that I lost my balance and a lot of other things. I stopped taking it immediately, suspecting the worst. But do you think that pharmacist could have prescribed, could have um, given me that medication without knowing that that medication was different from that medication, from the same name medication that he gave to other patients who came to see him? You think that's possible? It's not possible. It's absolutely not possible. They weren't giving that same medication to everyone who was taking it. It was designed for me. It had never affected me that way before. And it did that time. And I had to stop taking it. Attorneys. We notice that no attorneys are helping us. They are bazillions. I know that's not a word. To be made. Because these actions are just so heinous. If they ever make it to court in a class action suit, it will be the largest awarded in world history. Because the crimes are beyond belief for any person. Even the Russians would be scratching their head saying, how'd you pull it off? Social media. They control the narrative online. 
mass media, you notice that none of them are talking about this. These stories are out there. You don't see a special investigation. I've, I've seen maybe one or two special interest stories on, on local news channels, and never once do they implicate anyone who would be part of this system. It always points to someone who's not involved. Even local merchants are involved when they allow access for scrupulous and toxic substances to be sold to targeted individuals within their stores. They want to control the narrative. That is the ultimate goal to control the narrative because if no one ever believes us, if no one ever talks about what we're going through, no one ever care. Why should they care? They don't even know about it. You can't care about something you don't know about. And you're not certainly not going to care about something that crazy people are saying. I've heard them online saying they even have their own crazy websites. These are news people. Those words crazy and insane and delusional. These are control words. And they're not there by happenstance. No way. They happen across all media platforms. I have worked in organizations that provide public information, those statements are carefully crafted and reviewed by several levels before release. I know what they sound like. And you can listen to any news forecast, any news broadcast about something related to someone who was perhaps targeted or someone talking about 9-11 or someone talking about fake mass shootings. And you're going to hear the same words, usually starting with one conspiracy theory. These are not conspiracy theories. These are the facts that don't have a proper explanation. And if you have facts that relate to criminal activity, and our government, whose job it is to protect us, does nothing. Back to logic, you have to wonder why. Disinformation. Mm -hmm. Disinformation. I once read where 75% um, of what intelligence services do is control the narrative through disinformation. False and misleading information provided to the public with the with the goal of controlling what we think. A couple of years ago we passed a law saying that, that was legal within the United States. We told our government it's okay to lie to us and made it a law. You let that sink in. They passed a law that says 
in order to protect the American people, federal agencies can disseminate information to counter information online and on airways within the United States. Anything that they don't agree with, they can put information out there to counter that information. They didn't say true information. They said information. This is PSYOPs. This is what we did in war. And that's what's happening to the American people. And it's federal law that they do that. Doesn't make it legal because the legality of it is based on the United States Constitution. But it's lawful on the current laws until it's challenged. They can continue to do it. But if the federal government calls you in and say, Mr. Peartree, on this day, did you do this, this, and this? And you tell them something, even mistakenly, that was wrong, and then sign the paper, they can send you to jail five, ten years. You lie, even mistakenly, and you can be fined or in prison or both. And they can lie with complete impunity every single day and say they're protecting us. These are not worries of a dissident. My words are a patriot. These are my words. These words are a patriot. I was, I joined the military at a time when we were in transition from a military service that wasn't so good. After the Vietnam War, the United States military was not the proud beacon of excellence that it is right now. In fact, it was common for us in the military to allude to having a different job when we went downtown, but it was pretty hard to to hide because we had to wear our hair short. And, and, you know, in the late 70s, 1978, when I was in 1979, by the time I was at my first assignment, everybody had long hair then. If you didn't have long hair, they automatically assumed that you were in the military. So you couldn't really lie about it. But still, you tried to hide it as long as you could because it just wasn't a cool thing to do. So we went from that era to today. But on the basis of that time and up to now, it had not changed. It's still the same. What I... Just a second. What I was asked to say then no and I think that we get those we get what we're responsible to do in the military and what we're responsible to do as citizens confused with 
the narrative that's presented to us. Back then, after the uh, Vietnam War, people were burning. They were burning flags. It's a horrible thing to do. It's wrong. I detest it. But we were we were taught that the reason why we said we'd give our life is to preserve their right to do that. As heinous as we believe it was, and I still do, it's their right to do that. They wrap themselves in the Constitution so that they could burn the flag in protest. You know what happens today? People are wrapping themselves in the flag as they burn our Constitution. Which one do you want? According to the Constitution, they cannot come into your home without due process. Now they can sneak and peek just by telling a judge, hey, we suspect that this person might be up to something. Okay, go ahead and sneak and peek. They can go in, take things, move things, examine things, and then say, nope, we didn't find what we were looking for. It's not due process. They can monitor your calls, your emails, all from one point, an internet hub. And they call it, um, what's the word? I can't think of the word now. Anyway, they, they collect mass information. They have been doing it since September 11th shortly after September 11th, on every citizen just because they can. In blatant violation of articles of the Bill of Rights, they wrap themselves in the flag, say they protect an American, wave the flag, why they burn our Constitution. Which one do you want? Someone who burns our Constitution? and wrap themselves in the flag, or someone who wraps themselves in the Constitution while they burn the flag. They're both wrong. But I'll take someone living on the Constitution before someone destroying it. And this is why. First time I enlisted, I said, I, Kenneth W. Paratree, do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear truth, faith, and allegiance to the same, that I will obey the orders of the President of the United States and the orders of the officers appointed over me according to regulations and the Uniform Code of Military Justice. So help me God. We are bound under federal law to the Constitution. They didn't even say we were bound to the president, although he is the highest order of protection 
for every military service. We're bound to the Constitution. Because presidents do awful things too. That's what the oath says. And that's what we all live by. And that's what so many people have forgotten. Anyone sleeping yet? I don't think so. (laughs) No, it's actually kind of quiet in the chat as well. Were you thinking of Dragnet when you were thinking of the surveillance? Are you there? Hello, are you there? Yeah. um, Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Hello? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me? Can anyone else hear me? I can hear you. I can hear both of you. You guys can hear me? I can can hear you as well. Okay. I don't know what was going on. um, I wasn't disconnected, but anyways, um, Ken, are you still there? I wonder if Ken dropped off. But you guys could hear me speaking earlier. Yeah, I can. Um, I don't know, both. Well, I guess we can't hear each other. That's really interesting. In the chat room, I can't hear Ken, and I don't think Ken can hear me. But you guys can hear both of us. Right. I can hear That is bizarre. Can you hear me? I can hear you, Linda, and I can oh, hear okay. everybody else. Okay. That was checking. very bizarre. Okay, I'm going to very bizarre. Some- I, yeah, I, I think I think maybe someone wanted to stop Ken from talking. I don't know because it's really good information. You know, I don't know. He yeah. said the last thing I heard him say was, um, "Is anybody taking a nap yet?" And then I right. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to call in, guys, and maybe you can tell him. Um, I don't know if he sure. can hear you guys. Okay. If he can hear us, I'm not, I don't think he can hear us either because he didn't respond when we said when we said yes, we could hear him. He didn't respond. Maybe there's something wrong with his ear ear phone or Is anybody talking right now? Hi. This is Linda. Hi, can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. I can hear you. I don't hear Ken. I don't either. Oh, no. Hopefully he called back. Does someone have his number? I don't have his number, but he can call. He'll call back in. Let me look for him. Okay. The problem is I can only see a few people on the board helping this with him. Me too. Me too. Is this Ken? Can you, yeah, can you hear me? 
Yes, we can hear each other. That was really odd. That's never happened before. You couldn't hear me, and I couldn't hear you, so it created a lot of confusion. So. You, you know what? That was my fault. Hang on. Okay. <laughs> okay. That was my fault. I, I used a, a, a powered speaker, and if it doesn't have sound coming over it in, in 15 minutes, so it shuts itself off. And I see. It forgot about that it shut itself off, so I apologize. Okay, no worries. So I think... Uh, you have great information, so I don't want to get too off track. I want to get back, get you back on track. I think you had said, is anybody taking a nap yet or something? And I said, no, and the chat room's quiet. And then I asked if you if you were referring to Dragnet when you were talking about mass surveillance. If I was referring to what? Dragnet, Dragnet surveillance, when you had brought up surveillance. Yeah, well, there, there are... Um, there are a lot of different types of surveillance, and yeah. I, I, I'm not going to get into um, the, the the larger programs because I think there are plenty of experts out there who will cover them. So right. I, I'm off of my um, my little tangent there, and I want to get into some of the control systems now and and talk more okay, about the, yeah, some, of, some of the ways that um, I personally know that they can monitor your communications and um, and watch what you do. Um, yeah. One of the things I want to talk first about is a system that we all know and trust and have no idea what a violation that system is to your, your, your personal rights. And Microsoft Windows. Microsoft Windows through its proprietary architecture, has backdoors designed to allow technicians and support personnel to access your system, make repairs, and those type of things. Have you noticed? Have you ever uh, talked to someone online, and when you're having a problem with your computer? And you you shut down you shut down your computer to ask you to restart, and when your computer restarts, you find that they're still there, that they're still connected to your computer. You wonder, well, how did they do that? I didn't log them back in again. There are there are adapters and systems built into Microsoft that allows that type of access to your computer. And the worst thing about those systems is that you cannot divorce yourself from them. There is, there is essentially nothing that you can do to protect yourself from these systems. They are an inherent part of the Microsoft Windows operating system. And there are several devices, adapters, and if you give me a second, I want to pull some of them up. If you look into, if you go into your um, device manager and open devices, and then let me just click through it. Uh, go into control panel, and then select device manager, 
and that's in Windows 8 and 10. And it will bring up all the devices that are connected to your computer. What, but what you want to do then is go to the third tab over and where it says View and move down where you see Show Hidden Devices. And click on Show Hidden Devices. And you will be amazed at what pops up there. All these devices are, are removed from your uh, standard view, your default view, as a way of protecting the fact that they're there. And unless you click that View button, you're not going to see them. And then when you close the program and reopen it, is they're not going to show up again unless you collect, connect the uh, View hidden devices. You will see something called Microsoft ISA Tap Adapter. Once that becomes part of your um, active uh, operating system, you cannot remove it. I have tried. I've tried everything. You cannot remove it. With that adapter, any process on your computer can be accessed externally. Any process. Even if your computer is not connected to the web, there's a sister program that can be used in conjunction with that adapter that allows access to your computer even when it's not attached to the web. There's another uh, device called Microsoft Wi-Fi Direct Virtual and the reason why it's virtual because this is a software program. So you think that by turning off your Internet or going to your other adapters and, and disabling your Internet uh, adapter, that you're blocking access to your computer and the Internet. No. That Microsoft Wi-Fi Direct virtual adapter is just what it says. It allows direct access to your computer system via Wi-Fi connection. And when it's operating, there are no indications whatsoever to you that it is working. Bear with me a second. My computer's not charging. There we go. All right. There's no, there's no reason for you to believe that there's anything happening on your computer. Then you might see... Um, WAN mini ports, and there are a whole host of those as well. Those can also be used in conjunction with uh, other systems in your computer for private uh, access to your computer without your knowledge. If you try to disconnect, if you're a targeted person and you turn your computer off, take it offline and say that you're not going to connect for privacy purposes. Go to that screen, go to your devices, click View, and you'll notice that once these connections are um, in use, they turn a different color blue, and you will find that they're in use. At they have been for me every time. This, this system is so absolute when I try to block access to my computer 
or hacking my computer until I could set it up and make sure they didn't have a way to get into it. I actually drove outside of town um, probably, I don't know, 20 or 30 miles. There was no building or any type of facility anywhere around me. I was on a deserted road, a very, very country road, and I pulled off on a dirt road, and I picked that spot for its isolation to try to set up my computer so that it could not be hacked until I could um, properly isolate it from the web to prevent it from being hacked. And while I was conducting that operation, I watched the mouse move across the screen. In the middle of nowhere, absolutely nothing around. My computer had never been online once. And I watched, I watched as the mouse moved across the screen without any input from me. This is what they can do with these systems. In a nutshell, you cannot stop, you cannot prevent the government from accessing your computer, not in a Windows operating system. It is physically not possible. And I have about 20, about 20 hard drives to prove it. I've tried everything imaginable. I am not an expert. I'm not a computer expert. But I do know my way around them, and I've learned the hard way from continuous uh, hacking. So I thought that I would get myself a virtual private network, or VPN. And VPNs are basically a tunnel path between your computer and the VPN service provider's server. So even though you connect it through local services, once you connect to a VPN system, your computer has a direct connection to that server, which is encrypted and protected. So it is VPN services, as long as they're connected, are safer than um, any type of antivirus protection you can get because basically no one from the outside can get into your signal between your computer and that server. Now, if you connect to something else outside of that server during your surfing, your web surfing, then that's a different story. But the connection between you and your initial service provider is very, very secure. So I, I originally purchased it because I was in Europe and I wanted to watch um, U.S. Um, U.S. television shows and and the uh, NFL. So by having a, a VPN service, you can have your service in any country that they have a server in. So and some of them have a hundred different countries that you can use as your service. And between your computer and that is. Once you log on, if you log on in in the UK, when you open up Google, it will say Google UK because you're, as far as your computer is concerned, you're in the United Kingdom because that's the server. And that's the way VPN service works. It's a very good way of protecting um, 
your movements online. At least I thought. These VPN companies, and I wondered why this happened. I, the first time I called the VPN service, I said, I'd like to get VPN service. And they said, we just need to take some information from you, and then we'll get back to you. I said, but I want to pay right now. They said, but we can't do that. We'll take the information, and then um, we have to evaluate it, and then we'll provide this. We'll let you know tomorrow if we're going to provide it. How do you not give someone a service? What are you looking for? And, and that baffled me completely. And the first time was the only time that that happened, and I've had two different services since then. But the fact of the matter is they wanted to know who I was before they provide me this level of service. And I found out later on why. Because because of that isolation of my com my computer um, my computer's communication to that server, the government wants to know, and they have a requirement to provide our government access to the service. My service has never operated from the very first day has never operated how it should. There are two signals leaving my computer. It's supposed to be isolated, just one. There are two signals leaving my computer, one for the virtual private network and one for the Wi-Fi service. And the Wi-Fi service should not be visible at all. That's the whole reason for virtual private network, because it is private. It has never happened. And they do that as a requirement, and that was a law that was changed after 9-11 because they were losing sight of some of their assets. I was one of those assets. And to this day, I've asked that question. I have a paperwork trail, probably 40 emails long. And they have never even tried to explain why they do it. They just make different lies, that one lie after another. Well, maybe it's this, well, maybe it's that, well, maybe this happened, well, maybe this happened. It's just one lie after another after another, straight-faced lies once again. If you use a VPN service, you cannot prevent NSA, CIA, or any other government agency from complete visibility over everything that you do. I record on my computer. I have a screen recorder. It can record anything that's happening on my screen. It is the best thing that I've ever purchased. If you don't invest in anything else during this period where you're going through this, I highly, highly recommend that you spend $30, $40, or $50, and not very expensive, to purchase a screen capture program because they are going to do things that you can later tell someone they did this and they did that to me and my computer did this weird, you can record that on video. And video is the best source of, because if you take a screenshot of it, they'll only claim that you manipulated the screenshot somehow. But video is much harder. Video is impossible to manipulate that way, at least not by anyone that I'm familiar with. 
So I did. I purchased a screen capture program. They're excellent tools. They're able to disable that program in real time. If I'm updating a, a, um, a file or a program on my computer that I know has been compromised, and there are dozens of them, I always record it, and they always do the exact same thing. It starts out recording as normal. As soon as I click download, the program continues to record, but it never records another frame. They use the same frame from start, from that point of clicking download to the end. So the entire file will save, and if you don't look at it to, up until that point, you'll never know what happened because I, I went months before I knew what they were doing. In real time, they're able to take that video recording program and duplicate one file and repeat that file throughout the entire recording so that you cannot capture what they do to your file when it's downloaded. This is high-tech. DNS spoofing. I don't know if you if many people are familiar with spoofing you. Spoofing is, is a probably the most high tech problem that I have encountered. In essence, spoofing is a way of sending every all the data transferred between your computer and the the source is sent in what's called packets. And these packets are sent along a path from the original source to your computer and reverse when you're sending it the other way. And then they are compiled and formed into the file once they're received. And that's the way the internet works. It's just bundles and bundles of packets traveling at the speed of light between one source and another. Spoofing is referred to as cache poisoning. In other words, when these files arrive, they are put in the cache. I'm sure you heard that, C-A-C-H-E. And as, once they're compiled, they're compiled into a single file, and that's how your files are formed. Well, what, these, what this program or this system does is send useless packets between the server that you're operating on and your computer by injecting itself in the middle of it. So it sends out a packet that makes your computer believe that the packet is coming from the original source. And then your computer sends it back to that originating point, which it thinks is the source of the information that it should be receiving, but it's actually another computer whose sole job is to send data between point, its point and your computer. So your computer is tricked into believing that it's receiving good information. And they do this in bits of 40 bytes, 30 bytes, 70 bytes, small pieces like that, but thousands and tens of thousands of them. So that all your computer receives is useless information that slows your connection down to a crawl. 
I'm not allowed to watch um, YouTube videos in full um, HD mode. The only way I can watch it is in the lowest quality mode because these packets are so fierce between my computer and that computer. And I have software to detect them. But there's nothing I can do about them. I've been researching it. There's no software you can buy. There's a couple different companies who advertise things, but it's mostly for the Internet service provider to resolve that problem because that's a problem between the server and your computer. And I can't fix a problem between the server and my computer. I can only fix my computer. But it doesn't originate from my computer. And they can change the Internet address at any time. So if they fix it, they just change the Internet address, and it's not fixed anymore. Software can do that and change it 10 times in one day or 10 times a second if they need to. This is very, very, very difficult to defend it. And it's not talked about very often. And it's not used very often. But it's used against me every single day. My internet service is tested at 40 megabytes per second, which is pretty fast for internet. And you should be able to watch according to the service provider at 10 megabytes a second, I should be able to watch full 1080p uh, HD video. And I have 40 megabytes a second and I can't watch 120p video without installing. And that's what spoofing does. There's a system that you can use for um, detecting it, but detecting it is not going to do you any good because you can't stop it. This is this has probably been the, the biggest shock that I've encountered. I know that I'm on a federal program, and I know that these, um, most of you out there would not have encountered many of these things. They can control virtually any small device. Some of the most insignificant things that you can imagine can be controlled whenever they want, and you will never know they've been tampered with. My alarm clock, a little small travel fold-up digital alarm clock can be disabled at any time they want. This clock is not attached to the Internet. If they want me to oversleep, I will oversleep. The clock will not alarm. I went through two different clocks, and it happened to both of them. You can't carry it around in your pocket to protect it from tampering. So I started to use my cell phone. And if I leave my cell phone uh, online, if I leave my cell phone uh, connected to the cell towers, they can do the same things with. Camcorder glasses. I've heard some people in the community talking about camcorder glasses. They are also a very good tool for recording unusual activity. And notice I didn't say gang stalking because I don't 
recommend it for trying to catch gang stalking. But there's lots of other things, lots of other tricks and things that they, they do that are worth noting. Camcorder glasses are a good way of, of uh, recording those types of things. If you can get them, they're not very expensive. You can get them from 30 or 40 bucks up to 70 or 80. And some of them can get fairly expensive, but you don't need to spend that kind of money. You can get them for, from China for about 30 bucks, 20 bucks. And they, they record very well, and they're a good way of catching covert activity against you and to be able to record it at a moment's notice without being so suspicious. But they can also <laughs> install features to be able to stop those from working in real time. I purchased some camcorder glasses. And I believed at the time that I should record the gang stalking activity, which I'll talk more about later on. And so I, I purchased the camcorder glasses and uh, entered a supermarket, and the gang stalking activity started. The little, the little things that they have observed that they wanted me to notice. And I don't care about it, but I wanted to record the fact that it was happening. And so I turned on my glasses, got the light that they were working, and off I went, thinking, okay, go ahead and, and do your little tricks. And they did. They did the things that they normally do. And I got out to my car and I turned them off and they showed it. They stopped recording. But when I got back home and, and downloaded the file, it stopped just as those people approached. So they had the ability to turn off those camcorder glasses as soon as their perp was approached by me. These glasses are not attached to the internet. There's no connection whatsoever. There's no internet connection whatsoever on those glasses. And they were able to control them remotely and turn them off when they wanted. Why they would want to do something that, like that? Well, they don't like being recorded. They like deniability. Same thing with cell phones. No matter how good your cell phone is, no matter how sophisticated, they can take control over it, including the camera. Turn your camera on, turn your camera off, turn on your, your microphone and listen to what you're saying, turn on your your camera and see what you're doing and the phone will show no indication whatsoever that they're recording what you're actually from your cell phone. You can you can record a file on your cell phone and they can corrupt the file in real time. I caught one individual who I knew was a perp and who I assume was associated with an activity that was designed to uh, destroy my my uh, debit card. Taking away a, a targeted person's access to their money is the number one thing they want to do against you. They don't want you to have money. And unfortunately for them, in my case, I'm retired, so I get a monthly pay, paycheck. 
and that bothers them. So they wanted to destroy my my card so I didn't have access to it. And I went to a bank. They knew where I got out of the taxi, and they, they figured I needed money. They know how much money I have at all times. And when I went into the bank, some poor soul had walked in there before me. But walking on the way to the bank, I noticed this guy who I, you know, you just catch the look of him. You know there's something suspicious about him. And when I walked towards him, I looked at him, and he turned around immediately. And I walked into the bank, and it was only one teller there, so I didn't walk inside while the people were there. I waited outside for them to finish, and I was going to walk in. And he walked past again. He started approaching again, and I got out my phone to record him because I knew that he was a perfect that, at that time based on the two actions, walking away and then walking back and looking directly at me. So I got out my phone to record him. I was going to point it directly at him. And I did. And I hit record. And the phone said it had recorded. And then I stopped. But when I got home, the file was unlike anything I'd ever seen. The computer did not recognize it as a file at all. It was completely corrupt. Immediately after that phone was not, uh, it was set on airplane mode at the time. And I turned off the phone immediately after recording him because I felt that that was important. And when I got home and opened up the file, the file was corrupted. So at some point between me pressing the that button, I mean, I saved it onto an SD disk, so I didn't even have to turn the phone on to get it. But it's at some point between recording it and the phone shutting down, they corrupted that file. Delete or corrupt any file at any time in real time. And they take over your phone by the most innocent act you can think of. You go onto Google Play or whatever and download another application, and in doing so, they will send an update to your phone, which your phone will recognize as a normal update and install their malware onto it that takes complete control of your phone. If you don't update, you can avoid them for a long time, but as soon as you update, they're going to have control of your phone. I don't know if any of you saw the Jason Bourne movie, most recent Jason Bourne movie. Um, there was a scene where they were tracking Jason Bourne, and he had he had some information, and he went onto a computer to to view that, or one of the one of the stars went onto a computer to view that information, and from the control center, from their intel center the intelligence specialist said, I'm going to plant a tracking file. And she accessed that computer and planted a tracking file so that the next time that file was open, it would send them a message letting them know that the file was open and where the file was open. 
That sounds like Hollywood fiction, but I can tell you unequivocally that it's not. I have two computers, two laptops, one that goes online that I use for everyday surfing general business, and one that's offline that I never put online. And I talked about how how much effort I went through to just get a computer that does not have Internet access. And I have one that never goes online. On that computer, I opened a file. And this, this happened lots of times. I saved those files isolated. I opened a file and got an error message on my computer saying, Com, com transport not possible or something to that. There was a there was a program attached to that file, and nothing is different about that file. Absolutely nothing is different about it. It's not an increased size. It's, it's the same as another file without it that has basically the same amount of information, so that it has the relative same size. But as soon as I opened that file, my my computer attempted to communicate with an outside source. And because it could not communicate with an outside source because all the Internet connections to that computer have been di disabled and removed, it showed an error message. And had that error message never shown up, I would have never known that was even possible. And I have probably a dozen, 20 of those different files. And even if you save them to a disk, even if you save them to another form of media, they will still, as soon as that file is open, it will send a message online to wherever it's designed to go and let them know that that file has been opened. This is not Hollywood fantasy. This is real. And I have the files to prove it. Social media has been weaponized. Back in 2005, 6, 8, 10, I didn't know anything about these programs back then, but I've, I've looked back and seen lots of message traffic about different uh, aspects of um, communications within social media and how um, targeted individuals were using it to their benefit to pass on information. And, and trust me, the, the intelligence services were, were taking heart with that. Remember, control the narrative. And that's what they've done. Social media has been weaponized. Your news feeds within Facebook, you see exactly what they want you to see. You only see what they want you to see. No one else sees your feeds unless they want you to see them. So you can post, we wonder why your friends never comment on your posts if they are not targeted, 
It's because they never see them. They don't see them. Because the news news feeds dictate what shows up in their timeline. It's not like they got to come to your page and look for them. They rely on those news feeds, and that's just the way the system works. And the algorithm that that controls your news feed controls a great portion of American civil society. They can make you think, believe, want, desire, hate, anything that they want based on the information presented to you on a daily basis. They don't have to form the information. They don't have to produce it. They just have to feed it to you. I got a chuckle from, um, what was his name, Santiago, the latest mass shooter. And he made a statement that they were making him watch ISIS videos. And you wonder, well, how does someone make you watch an ISIS video? But it can't make you watch the whole video. But they certainly can place it in front of you. Again and again and again and again. And this is how it's done. You are sent a feed, a news feed, with a video that interests you. Something that is known to be in your wheelhouse, something that you will click. Immediately following that video, another video pops up. It's the way the system works. The next video that pops up is the thing that they want you to see. I've recorded this. They did the same thing to me, not on ISIS videos, but on other stuff. And there's been a variety. They had their themes, and which made me start to notice it. For me, it was, it was fight videos because they want to be able to depict you. They want to depict you as a violent person so they can say, this guy is obsessed with fight videos. He's a violent person. I don't want to see a fight video. And I kept wondering why they kept popping up. And so going through watching a video that came up on my news feed, I stopped it and then went and looked at what was the next video. And the next video up was completely unrelated. It was a sports video. And and after that came a violent fight video. I said, these are not connected. And another time it was one on uh, Kobe Bryant. And it was things that I would click, followed by things I did not want to see, but they wanted me to click. They wanted me to open. You don't have to click these. They're going to auto-start. And I would not be surprised in the least if that wasn't happening 
to that gentleman. When he said they were making me watch them, because they were probably popping up every other video that he clicked. And the algorithm can do that. And I have proof that the algorithm will do that. They don't do it anymore because I keep recording it and they stop. But it happened. So when that gentleman said they made him watch videos, maybe there's a little bit more to that story than what we're being told. Second part of that, sock puppets. If you tar- if you are targeted, you probably have as many sock puppets puppet friends as you do real humans. Sock puppets are a computer program designed to look like a human, act like a human, communicate like a human. There's about human C that probably have questions. What'd you say, Ella? Sorry, I was uh, I didn't realize I was unmuted. <laughs> I apologize. That's okay. That's okay. At least let me know you're there. Um sock sock puppets, uh, you could have as many of them as you do human friends. And one person can can control it reportedly, you know, ten of them probably many more by now. And and probably the most heinous of these are the the real perp. The real perp friends, which are easy to detect once you know that they're there, but their job is to spread disinformation. If you see someone constantly putting up Illuminati and and um, this church and that church and Satanists and, and those type of things, I'm not saying that they are hurt because I don't know them but I would be careful. Because what is happening to us is not a satanic group. It is too complex. It is too organized. And it crosses every level of state, local, and federal government. Satanic cults cannot do that. And if the Illuminati can make our government do that, you can't stop them. What can you do to Illuminati? Who are they? If there is such a group, they're citizens like you and me. You can't stop them from doing anything. They don't have a responsibility to you whatsoever. They're out to get what they can get just like everyone else. As heinous as it is, what is happening to us, if they are involved, they are participating like other people who are participating. It's not their responsibility to protect us. It's our government's responsibility to protect us. So those groups are serious disinformation ploy to get us to chase 
a rabbit down a rabbit hole that has a thousand ways out, and you'll never be able to do anything with it. On my Facebook page, someone sent down a a way of checking who the security personnel are in your Facebook page. And just go into the, to the search area, like you would type in a friend's name, and type in FB security or Facebook security. And everyone whose job it is to watch over you will pop up because they're assigned to you. There were 20 people on my page. One guy was complaining that he had three. I had 20 people on my my page spread out around the globe. Some in China. Some look to be Middle Eastern. Some European. What that told me was these were individuals in different time zones. That allows 20 Four seven three sixty five surveillance of everything that I post on Facebook. That was shocking. That was shocking on another level. Twenty people. I've been hacked on Facebook from just about every place on the planet. I've had. Your your page was logged in in China, in the Caribbean, in in Florida, in Texas, in California. It was all over while I'm sitting in Canada or while I was in Europe. On my Twitter page, they use Twitter as a weapon, as a disinformation weapon. My page was hacked, and I was given... I don't remember the exact number, but it was over 60 people who I would consider dubious, many of them writing in Arabic. I probably had 20 people that I was supposedly following who wrote in an Arabic language in a span of two days, someone hacked my account and just started signing people up for me to follow. And I just purchased a new computer. I had not gotten to that page in a while, to the Twitter account, to even look at it. And the first time I did, to my shock, there was all these languages that I did not understand. Chinese, there was some Japanese, just stuff from all over. I contacted Twitter and complained them screenshots of it, no response whatsoever. I tweeted it to Twitter at at Twitter support, I believe is the handle. No response. I believe that was a attempt to get me to close that Twitter account. Try to close it. I took the time one by one and blocked 
every single one of them. That was the only way to do it. You cannot just put a blanket block on it. You had to open it and go through each setting to block it. Last, last but not least, uh, community services, mail services, including your post office, UPS, FedEx, they all take instructions. They all take instructions on what to do. What to do when a package comes to you. They all take instructions. They can delay it. They can send it back. The first set of camcorder glasses that I ordered, I ordered from, um, I believe it was the Michigan, no, not Michigan area. It was somewhere in the Midwest, Iowa, somewhere out in the Idaho area. I don't remember exactly where it was. All the way to the coast, but it was someplace in that area. Some town I did not know. Online, it didn't matter. And they only provided one way of shipping, and it was ground, and they estimated um, seven business days. Six weeks. Six weeks it took for those glasses to arrive. And when they arrived, they didn't work. That was the second pair after they stopped the first pair from working. I ordered another pair. Six weeks. It never did work. Before I get into gang stalking, I'll speed that up a little bit. But this is probably the, the most important area. You have any questions, Ella? Um, well, um, not really. You've been pretty thorough. I mean, I do have questions. The issue is we have so many questions for you. Um, so I wanted to go to them first. And if they don't ask it, then I'll ask the questions I had. I know people were very interested in your budget. So um, okay. let's go ahead. I'll, if that's I'll okay with you, you know what? You have so much good information. Um, I'm getting emails and texts and everybody. Um, I mean, I can see maybe um, I can see like 10. Unfortunately, there's about 40 people. I can't see, I'm guessing, 30 people. Um, so I, if I don't get to you, it's because I can't see you on the board. When I lost connection earlier, I only was able to see the newer people that logged on, so I apologize. Would that be okay? Can we go to the Q&A part? Sure. Okay, and I would love to have you back. You have so much great information. Hold on just a second. So I'm going to go to California. I know some of you guys have had your hands up for an hour, so hope you guys are still there. So California at the top. Hi, California. You, have a, you are on the call. Um, do you have a question for Greg? Hello? Yeah, sometimes. For Greg or for okay, that person's not there. Um, California, if you want to raise your hand again, just let me know and I'll come back to you. So. Um, the other thing is, because my because I can't see most of the people, you can email me the questions at tiangel2016 at gmail. Again, that's uh, uh, tiangel2016 
2016 at Gmail, um, or one of the tactics we've been trying is hang up and call back again, um, and then you'll be on the board. I know it sounds complicated, uh, or it's complicated to explain what's going on. Okay, Northwest California. Hi, Northwest California. You have a question for Greg? Oh, um, yeah, I do, but I don't know if it's appropriate now that he's gone so much further. But I did have two quick questions. Number one, ha by the way, Ken, this is incredible. You should write a book. You should do something. You shouldn't end here. This is the most, how do I explain it? Just, I'm going to call my friends, and Ella, I don't even know how I can tell them to get to hear this, but this is the best well-organized explanation I have heard of what's happening to us. Really, really good job. Um, oh, well, thank you. Thank you for that compliment. Yeah, no, really. I mean, really. <laughs> I mean, it's you, it's it's easy to understand. You've organized it perfectly. I mean, it's good. My question, two quick ones. Number one, did you ever hear anything that cults, you know, all those groups, religious groups that kind of showed up in the 60s and 70s, did you ever hear that they were studies in mind control? No. And if 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 they if they did, um, these type of experiments are extremely expensive. And mind control research has been around for a long time. As a matter of fact, I was just watching a little piece today, and the name of this research scientist escapes me. Um, maybe I can find it quickly, but this was in 19, the 1960s. This research scientist was conducting, um, you, you may have seen it online, he conducted experiments with a, a bull in Spain. You know, you ever seen the, the bull heard fighters? about that, yeah. We've heard yeah, about that. Yeah, and, and, and he, he attached, at, at that time it was a lot more prim, primitive, and they had to actually... Um, attached electrodes to the brain, and but he attached radio control electrodes to the to the bull's brain, and the bull was in the ring fighting the, the matador, and they press a switch and the bull stopped on a dime. And a charging bull to be able to control a charging bull and make him stop and turn around, uh, this was in the 60s. The same scientists also um, attached electrodes to uh, two cats, and by sending a signal to, to these electrodes, they were able to make one cat be passive and the other cat ignore him completely, and and he turned another switch, and that cat became very uh, violent and aggressive. I believe it. This is 1960s technology. Mm -hmm. if, if simple research scientists could do this in 1960, imagine what DARPA can do with that in supercomputers today. Yeah. So I guess I was is, looking at the cult thing as more as you've got a whole group thinking in one direction, which are very controllable. And just, you know, having people watch. I mean, some of these groups had 150 people living together. Well, here's, here's the thing. Oh, about yeah. Groups. Oh, yeah. These were, these were big in the 60s and 70s. The only reason I know is I was in one of them. <laughs> But anyway, uh, somebody had just told me that, and I haven't found proof about it. And they also said, well, usually those groups had a spy or an ex-CI agent in them. And I did some research on somebody, and sure enough, 
He'd even been in MI16. So it just got me thinking. I just wondered if you heard anything. The other thing I've been wanting to ask, I keep hearing from people who are on the Internet, and I just want to know if you can verify this, that there are people underground, good guys, working very hard and doing a lot of things, and actually supposedly Trump election is part of it, to turn all of this around. Have you heard this? I'm, I'm not sure what you mean to turn all of this around. Well, um, you know, bringing an end to um, a lot of it, the CIA control, FBI, um, you know, um, the vaccines, you know, bringing out the truth and doing something about chemtrails, uh, all of it. This is underground, this is Internet underground information that I keep hearing from people I can't get on a computer. And I'm hearing it over well, and over and over. Well, I, I, I certainly um, like to hope that someone out there uh, is making an effort to stop some of the some of the terrible things that are happening, the, especially the experimentation and those type of things. I don't I don't have any knowledge of anyone actively um, seeking to do that. However, I, I, I haven't with the targeting, but I've heard about every other thing, and I figure since every, we're all connected, I mean, I believe all of this is a part of the whole picture, like you said, for control of the country. Well, we're just a piece of that, so if you start bringing up the other pieces, you know, we could have some hope here. But I just thought well, you might have heard. No, I haven't, but, but you just made a point that I think is important. Um, and, and there's something that I did not discuss earlier on, and perhaps I should have. Um, we are very, very, very important piece of those other things that you were talking about. Any, anything that is done um, secretively that federal agencies would not want uh, the American people to know about they have to have a system in place to be able to debunk, first debunk the um, the words of that individual. And if they cannot do that, they need to be able to uh, discredit that individual. And if that becomes difficult, then they need to uh, marginalize that individual. And, and if you are a targeted individual, you're living in the test part of that program that is used or will be used, in my opinion, on the greater society to control people who do not conform with the norms and values as selected by those who with the right. to declare. I agree, totally. I agree with everything you've said tonight, by the way. And I agree with that statement as well. Because um, if, if, if someone said something about um, Say, for instance, chemtrails, and if the government, and I don't know that I don't know anything about chemtrails. I haven't done any research on it, but a lot of people seem to be very, very interested in it. And I know that our government is is putting chemicals in our atmosphere. They've admitted to it. I have no idea what they're doing with it, but some people don't like it. And if there's something that they don't want you to know and you become too close to the truth, this is the perfect program for it. All they got to do is, is make you start hearing voices in your head 
shoot you with a few directed energy uh, weapons and break into your house and not take anything. Yep. These are all things that are clear indicators of what DSM-5 um, shows as paranoid behavior. So when you are talking about instances where um, someone came into your house, well, what did they take? Well, they didn't take anything. So the police are going to look at you and say, well, don't you think it's a little strange that someone breaks into your house and they don't take anything? And you say you were feeling these sensations in your bed at night. The skin was burning. Was there a light near you? No, I think it was direct energy. Did you see the people who did that? No. Do you know where it's coming from? No. You see how that goes? I do. So all you have to do is target that person with these tried and true methods that I described in some of these and that hundreds and thousands of people have described uh, at other times, and you have the classic symptoms of a mental disorder. The police recommend, will recommend that you see a psychiatrist, and when you go to see that psychiatrist, your diagnosis is pre-diagnosed before you step through the door. Right. Right. Well, at the, least we know when things be, like that happen that what we're trying to say is the truth. Well, that should be an indication to us that we're on the right track. <laughs> that's been one of my concerns with, the, with, with, with our community is that we have spent the last decade, and I say we because I haven't spent the last decade. I only see that others have because I had no idea what was happening to me until um, October 2015 is when I figured out that I had been in a program for, the entire, for my entire life. But when I did, I put research into overdrive. And they, these systems are in place to shut out the set. And, and, and all they have to do is use these tried and true methods. You have a psychiatrist who would diagnose you, and once you're diagnosed, then Got you. Yeah, something and real quick, and I want to move on because I know there's a lot of people. Something that I really clicked with is when you were telling the story about you're getting a job and it was a setup. I had not thought of that before, that the actual getting of the job was a setup. And I realized when I stood up to my community that what, what they do is they use your strengths against you. So you obviously had some kind of strength in the um, you know, working integrity arena. Mine has always been I have a problem with dishonesty and lack of morals, and I stand up for what's right. Well, that's where they got me. You are a big they threat. They set me up to go, you know, in my community because they knew I would take off on that. I never put that together till you just said what you said. Yeah, you, you, you are the classic a stereotypical person that they fear. They will, they will, they don't tend to trust people who are honest. If you can't be corrupted, then you could very well end up in this program. I, I have to believe, I believe in my heart of hearts that helped me land here. I am not telling you that I am, I am a beacon of, 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 of a Bible thumper or a strong moral values on this, and I believe in open-minded as as they come, 
in terms of what I believe each individual has the right to do. I won't do anything, but I will never knock you from doing what you love. You understand me? So, but this type of nonconformity, you must think this or you must think that, is very dangerous for them. So if they saw that in you and you couldn't be manipulated, then that very well could have made you the, the perfect person to, to bring into the program because they want to know what it takes to break you. And trust yeah. me, every, everything that has happened to you is documented someplace. Everything but that they has happened to you. also knew what would get me involved. In other words, it was a strength, but they used it. It became my weakness because they used it to put me into action is what I'm trying to say. They used I went around and I got a petition and I became an activist because they used the fact that what was happening was not right and it was dishonest and I took off after it. Do you understand what I'm saying? To bring it to light. So my, my, you know, my strength, which I consider to be a strength, honesty and integrity, became my weakness. And they used it. And I felt the same thing when you talked about that they give you this job. And you said, you've, you've never, you know, you've always had high integrity with your work. And then all of a sudden, they took that, that's a, that's a strength of yours, and they made it a weakness for you. That's right. You, 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 um, you're, you're hitting the nail right on the head. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. And, and something else that you probably didn't think about is the fact that your strength is a good challenge for them. You're a, you're a formidable adversary. And we have to remember, and, and everyone listen to this call, please remember this. Mind control, experimentation, the primary purpose is documentation. They have to record everything that we do based on what they put us through because that will tell them how to get past the next person that they need to break in the same situation. You feed this stuff into their, their supercomputers, and they have solutions at the ready for anything, any type of conflict that they run into with an individual, especially a strong individual like you who won't bend and break because they say bend or break. And they want to know how to handle you. And this mind control experimentation, like any other experimentation, it's about documentation. It's about documenting every single thing. That's why they watch every move they make. They know your favorite color. They know your favorite shoes. They know your favorite store, your favorite coffee. They know everything you like and then everything that will push your button. You know what and else I, I just thought of as you were talking? Um for me, dishonesty and sticking up for what's right. Well, what happened after that, which I won that piece, but that's when I started getting electronic harassment. Now, that stopped me from going farther, even though I won that particular battle. And what it does, it didn't do it to me, but what it could do to most people is say, you can't do this anymore. Look what happens if you believe in, dis in, in dishonesty or honesty and doing what's right. Here's what happens. So the goal is to block you from using your strengths or following your strengths or do something about your strengths. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
And, and you said you said another thing that was equally important as well. Yes, I understand what you're saying. And, and the other thing you said was just as important. It stops people from doing the same thing because you can be used as an example for the mm-hmm. next person thinking right. about doing that same thing. You hit that nail right on the head. Right. Well, thank you. Very, very, very good. Thank you, Vera. I I know there's tons of questions, so thank you. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Barbara. And, Ken, I'm so sorry. I called you Greg earlier. (laughs) I apologize. You called me. I didn't even notice. (laughs) Okay, good. Okay. Um, Okay, I'm going to go to Massachusetts. Um, I'm coming to you next. Hi, Massachusetts. You're on the call. Some people have had, like I said, some people have had their hand raised um, for a while, so walked away. Massachusetts? Okay, I'm going to go to the next Massachusetts. Hi, Massachusetts. You're on the call with Ken. Do you have a question? Hello? Sounds like someone might have fallen asleep. Okay, South. <laughs> okay, East Virginia. I'm coming to you. Hopefully, you're still there. East Virginia. There's not a problem with the board. That's kind of peculiar. I'm going to come to Southeast Arizona. Southeast Arizona, you're on the call. Do you have a question for Ken? I might have a board issue. Hmm. Um, well, I have a question. Um, like, I am only gang stopped. Would you guess that I'm getting subliminal, like mind control? Or do you think some people only get gang stopped? Well, that's that's the segment that I was going to do next, and I I apologize for going on so long in the first group. Uh, maybe Ella can have me on another time to talk about more gang stalking. I, I think I have a pretty good understanding of that process. If, I, I want to start by saying I'm sorry that you have to go through that because Thank you. it's an awful thing, and it can be very, very traumatic depending on your your particular um, um, your particular makeup. You know, some, for some people, it's very distressing knowing that yeah. you're being followed. It can be it can be very 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 traumatic, but what what I'm going to say to you without getting into a lot of details is, is very important, and I would ask that you think about it. They will not harm you. They are they are mandated not to harm until you become a, a information threat to them. They are not going to harm you. You are a, a, a test subject for them. And so they are not going to physically harm you. And and if you can keep that in mind, um, try try to ignore them. Uh, as hard as that might be, that is your most effective weapon against gang stalking. Because, I mean, because their job... They, they just want to keep on seeing how I react and so they don't want to kill that's right. They they are not going to hurt you. They're not going to hurt you. At least 
I don't believe that they're going to hurt you. I've never heard of anyone being killed in a gang stalking. Has anyone, I mean, Ellie, ever heard of anything like that? I haven't. Anyways, if she comes back on, she can answer that question. But I don't believe that they will harm you. And if you can ignore them, this is the way that system works. They remember that their, their job is to record your reaction. Mm-hmm. There's an input mechanism. The input mechanism is, for instance, they might use red. I'm just using, I don't know your situation at all, so I'm just going to throw stuff out there. They might use red cars. Everywhere you go, there's a red car sitting next to where you come. When you walk out, there's a red car sitting there. Or they might yeah, they've done that, light. I assure you. <laughs> they've done there, that. There might be the a car black and light. Red. Another one of their favorites is people following you who have a backpack or all have blue clothes or all have black clothes. They use um, a early sensitization um, to create a situation in your mind, a trigger that says, I'm being followed. Mm-hmm. This has nothing to do with someone putting a subliminal message in your head. I'm not saying that they're not, but I'm saying that these are overt signals to you that someone is watching you. The intention is to elicit a response from you, and that response from you is what they want to record. If you don't respond to those gang stalkers, their, their experiment fails. You follow me? Because the yeah. input, then you have the action of the tell the um, gang stalker do this. The gang stalker does it. The third step is you react. If you take away the third step, it's a failed experiment. I, I, I can't overstress that. If you can bear to do it, and I know, I know after going through it myself, that is not easy to do, especially when you don't understand it. If you can ignore them, it is the only weapon you have. Recording it is, I've, I've been there, done that, I got the T-shirt. It's not going to work because when you play it back, it's going to be some guy or some girl walking down the street with a blue coat on. You can say, this is a person. And someone's going right. to look at you and say, okay, <laughs> so what does that mean? Right. Think about when you tell someone that someone, I believe someone is following me, and they ask you, is it the same person? And you say, no, it's different people each time. And then they'll say, well, how do you know they're following you? Because I know, because they're all wearing the same color coat. And listen to me say these. Be step out of your body for a second. That is the goal. The goal is for you to speak those words. Two objectives. Record your reaction. Have you speak the words. Because when you speak the words, you become another part. You, you have checked another box in the paranoia or schizophrenic or some other mental illness that they have to use against you later on. That is the whole reason for gang stalking. Gang stalking is a means, is a get-out-of-jail-free card for them. 
just like directed energy weapons, they are part of the two tools they use primarily to get you to make statements that will directly connect you with the symptoms of mental illness. Yeah. I overstress that. Ignoring yeah, them I, is your own defense. I've seen, you know, you videos that I've seen videos that TIs make and I don't think they realize how what a lack of evidence they're showing. I mean, of course I know what they're talking about. I, of course I know they're telling the truth. But some videos that I've seen, it's just like, it almost says, you're insane. This is so minor. This is not very much, you know. And I'm no, a target. I, trust me. You're, 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 you're nails on the head there. I mean, I... I've been, like I said, I've been there. I've done that. Got a T-shirt. I talked about the camcorder glasses that I had previously. I, I purchased those for the, with the sole reason of being able to record those types of activities. But the rare occasions that I did get something, I look back at it and say, this doesn't look like anything. It looks like some person walking down the street. Unless you are with that person 24/7 and know all the triggering mechanisms that they have forced you to recognize, like the, like the red cars, like the backpacks, like someone playing with their left ear. You know, they'll do all these things. They have 10 or 12 people do that to you in plain sight. Mm-hmm. So the next time you see it, that's a trigger. I'm being followed. And then they got you. Because now yeah. you're concerned about that activity. And yeah. if you can set that effect you're being followed aside, and unless you believe, if you believe that you're being, that you're unsafe, of course you have to protect yourself and get safety or whatever, but if you don't feel that you're unsafe, your best weapon is to ignore them. Yeah, okay. All right, okay, I appreciate that. No problem, I know that's not easy to do, I know it, 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 Use the word, but it's the best word I got from the seven is it sucks. You know, it's not nice. And yeah, it's not a nice program. You, you know, you know when I, I when I see when I see one of them now, and you know, I still get them occasionally, not you know, so much. Just I start ignoring them, and they'll they'll stop following you after that. You know that, right? I didn't tell you that. Yeah, they'll stop following you because you're you're wasting their time. They're not getting the information they set out to get from you. They're going to go to someone who's going to give them the information. They need mm-hmm. to get paid. These people are getting paid for good data. How and much, how much react, are they getting paid? Data. How much uh, are they getting paid? Do you, do you know how much the average, let's say, bottom gang stalker gets? Like, do they get $5 an hour, $10 an hour? The, the, um, the, these systems, if they are, what I believe they are, and I, I uh, sent Ella a breakdown based on my understanding of government contracts, uh, or what I believe it's cost, and it will blow your mind to realize how expensive it is to conduct yes. full-scale operations like the one that I'm in. It doesn't sound like you're in uh, the, the level of operations that I'm in, that you're probably in your infancy stage. Uh, I wish I could give you heart to tell you it's going to get better, but it's not. You know, you got to go through. No, they step it up over time pretty bad. Yeah, it's it's 
and and things are going to change for you too. And if I had got to my next segment, I would give you some more. Perhaps Ella would have me back to talk about that. Uh, that's unfortunate, but no, that's not to worry about right now. What you need to do is get through this phase, and and the way to to be able to live a little bit more comfortably is to be able to ignore them because in, in a basic government contract, they tell them how much uh, the people at every level uh, can be paid. They don't tell them what to pay them, but they tell them what them, this is the max that we will pay you to employ them. You follow me? So yeah. it's not a wage scale, but it is telling them this is the max that we will give you for this activity. And the government's wage scale is going to be significantly higher than what a civilian would pay you to do the same thing. It's just the way government contracts work. They, they, they pay a little bit more because they expect you to uh, provide certain services to your employees. They use the lowest of the low for many of these gang stalking. Uh, I know that. I they got use, that part. They use what could be felons, drug addicts. Yeah. Um, they were even using Social a retirement plan. home. They were using a retirement home people on me for a while. These folks could hardly walk, but they were following me around. Oh, Jesus. It's, it's, it's sick and disgusting, but this is what they do. But they use those individuals to save costs. You see, you if you got a guy in a retirement oh. home, you can pay him eight, ten bucks an hour, and he's happy to get it. Right. But the average person's not going to quit his job to get a part-time job as a gang stalker. You know, that's what they have to have. These people are on call because it's not like you and they know exactly when we're going out, do they? You decide when right. you have your routine. Like for right. me, they, they don't know when I'm going to go out the next time because I don't keep a routine, because I know routines are bad. But when you go out, there's going to be someone in their call and say, you know, such and such is leaving. We need you to be at this street at this time. And then that person off they go, and they're making their part-time money. But I can tell you, it's not flipping burgers at Burger King. I can tell you that. It's, it's, it's decent money. And Yeah, I, I, I mean, I've seen some of the cars like SUV types that are like, they're immaculate, they're shiny, they're, you know, like a, a year old maybe, two years old, and they're kept impeccably clean and expensive. Some of their cars I'm, are expensive. I will, I will tell you what I estimated was the, the baseline for these people. Um, in my in my contract estimation, and I need to find the, the file. I don't want to misquote it because it's not like I remember it. Um, bear with me for a second. Okay, I have it here. I estimated that these uh, gang stalkers are are probably making somewhere around twelve bucks an hour on the low side. Damn. And, and and some of them, this this just for gang stalkers, some of them are probably making a lot more. Now you have you have your professionals who are out there with them. On any government contract, there always have to be supervisors. 
you're looking at those people are in it are, are earning anywhere from twenty eight to thirty five dollars an hour for babysitting a group of gang stalkers. And oh, you will have those going at the same time. And then you have a supervisor of the entire operation. That supervisor of the entire operation, most supervisor managers are in the forty to fifty dollar range. So they're probably somewhere around the $47 range. And then you have people in the fusion centers who are sitting at the computers at the same time. And then they're, they're closer in the, the mid-30s, 35, 38. I estimated 38 bucks an hour. So you have a person, two people earning 35, 28, 47, 38, and then three or four 12s in one hour to watch you. This is yeah. the biggest. This is the biggest assault on the American budget in the history of our country for nothing. Millions, yep. millions yep. of dollars every year. Because it just destroys people's lives. It, it destroys a, a lot of lives. Your comments I are. To watch me wow. alone. I'm talking about me alone. To watch me alone. I estimated it cost them $340,000 a month just to watch me. Wow. Now, granted, they may be watching some other individuals at the same time, but this is based on the number of people I've seen on gang stalking and my understanding of how contracts works and the type of supervision and management chain that you have to have to conduct one of these operations and what I know about fusion centers. This is what I estimate it costs to watch me in one month. Basically, I, in my estimation, I believe that for every 1,000 targeted people, it costs $340 million. Oh. Yeah, only the government has that kind of money. That's in one month. That's $4 billion in a year. This is wrong. Yeah, it's wrong. I can tell you that my estimates are probably low. Well, it's uh, very successful so far. It's a very successful program. And, and it's, it's, been a, it's been a pleasure talking to you and... and, and Please try to be strong because okay. give the appearance to give the appearance that you're suffering suffering from uh, mental illness. And I've only spoken to you for just a few minutes, but you really sound like you you understand and you're dealing with this in a very good way, and you're trying your best way to get through it. And I applaud you for for staying strong there. Well, thank you. Thank you. Nice talking to you. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and mute you. I have enough strength for about two more questions. So you're going to have to come back because I think we have like 20-something um, questions. Let's see here. I'm going to, um, on my board, it shows New York is next. I'm sorry, Florida is next, number one, at least on my board. Hold on. Hi, Florida. You're on the call. Florida. Hello. Hi. Uh, hi, Ella. Um, I um, I am just wondering if um, 
you know, there, I've listened to this on and off, and I think I'm more concerned about um, the legal aspects of this because I, um, I'm one of the persons that can say uh, they're trying to kill me, uh, and, and they've tried several times. And, um, and it's, you know, it's, um, it's, you know, I don't know what gets beyond torture. So I, I feel like they've done everything to me short of waterboarding. But, um, you know, so I, I guess I'm sort of wondering if you've put anything together on the legal aspect of this. I mean, because, we, yeah, we know that the government is doing this, uh, but I'm just wondering if you've formulated anything on that basis. Hello. Now I wonder if Ken got disconnected. Oh uh, no, I was. I thought she said Ella. That's why I didn't respond. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I'm, I'm speaking. I'm asking. I'm asking you because um, I, you know, mine is is clear torture, and um, I mean today I they're picking it up. Anytime I start making an inquiry, they they always pick it up and come after me. And I, I mean, look, I, I've made my peace with, uh, this earth and God. And so, you know, I go, I go, um, but I have to do what I have to do. And I know they're going to do what they are going to do. So my, um, my question really has to do with if you have, um, you know, formulated anything about, we know this is illegal, I mean, but like specific type of, um, uh, what do you call, codes uh, that would apply, you know, that type of thing. I, I have my own information, but I'm just curious on whether or not you have. Well, I mean, me speaking from my point of view, you know, you have, I mean, I'm not a legal expert and, and I'm not qualified to provide a legal opinion. Um, I can go by is my observations and the things that I understand. There are, there are two different facets that you have to consider in this program. That's one that's obvious and there's another that protects them. The one that's obvious to us is the one that you mentioned um, a, a little while ago and you hit the nail right on the head. Um, there, there are people who they are going. Their intention is to end their life. I know that I have been one of those people, and it has been more than one occasion that they have uh, tried to end my life. Um, I, because they didn't end my life, can I prove it that that was the intention? No. But I know that what from what they did had the actions carried out the way they could have. I would not have survived. So for you, for you, my point is those those things that they are doing to you are morally wrong. They are legally wrong in some sense. In fact, that um, if it is indeed torture, uh, you, you have um, Geneva Convention rules that apply to torture that the United States has signed on to. Uh, unfortunately, the United States does not operate as a participant 
in the Geneva Convention, the United States operates more as an overlord for the Geneva Convention. The United States will not be prosecuted under any Geneva Convention laws. It's just, it's just simply not going to happen. Uh, not that it cannot happen on a legal standpoint. It's just a fact of life that our country is the most powerful um, country in the world, and they will find a way to prevent someone from um, carrying out any type of legal activity based on activities that they have um, they have done so far. A few days ago, George W. Bush was set to fly to Switzerland, I believe, and there were some people scrambling to bring him up on war crimes charges under the Geneva Convention because of the actions that, that uh, he took in Iraq and Afghanistan. Uh, he's going to be severely limited in his ability to travel abroad now because as long as he remains in the United States, they can't touch him. And he knows that. And there were people tr who, who wanted to bring him up on charges while he was there in that country because he has to be in their soil in order for them to um, charge him with anything. So there is, therein lies the law. But from, from the United States perspective, human experimentation is perfect within the law. That's the problem we have. As long as they call it a human experimentation, no one's going to go to jail for this. No one's going to go to jail. The only remedy we may have would be some type of civil action. It is perfectly legal to experiment on Americans. They've been doing it since since the turn of the century. I mean, we shot plutonium into, you know, hundreds of military. We put whooping cough over, over Tampa Bay to see the response, and we, we told soldiers to walk into an active radioactive area after a bomb had been dropped. There's all kinds of stuff. The Tuskegee... Um, syphilis experiment, we can go on and on and on and on. Our government has been conducting really heinous experiments on its people. And they can do it because it's legal, because they call it scientific experimentation. And the rest of the public will say, well, if it's going to do something for me, go ahead and experiment on them until they figure out what we're doing, until they figure out what they are doing. I'm sorry. It's because these are heinous acts. These are the most horrible things done to humans since Hitler marched across Europe. And guess what? In, 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 in Nazi Germany, killing Jews was, was legal. That's murder. But it was legal there. They could just march them into a gas chamber. They started out with a firing squad, firing squad. And you know why they stopped the firing squad? This is a lot of people don't realize this. They stopped the firing squad because the German soldiers were complaining that they were getting nightmares from shooting people. So they started gassing them. Some of the known facts of, of, of world history. That's why they switched from the firing squad to gassing them. It's because it was more humane on the German soldiers. That was legal in their country. After the war, the world said that it wasn't. But many of them still walked away. As a matter of fact, our government hired some of them. So that's a long dissertation on legal versus morally and, and moral, morally abominable and ethically wrong. 
And that's what we're facing here, more than something that we can challenge in court, in a federal court. In a civil court, we would have a much better chance because we have the American people who will stand behind us and say that's just wrong and evil. The problem is getting in the court. Okay. Thank you. I hope I answered your question. I have a, a yeah, question you for you. Um, would you be able to come back on Saturday? Would that be convenient for you? Like, um, it'd be kind of on the earlier side. It'd be like 4 p.m. Pacific, and then we can answer the rest of the questions. Yeah, I, I could. Yeah, on the on the early side of Saturday, I could do that, and uh, I'd, I'd like to go into that. Um, it would take me about 45 minutes to go through gang stalking. That's that's one thing I wish I had to start with that one, quite frankly, because yeah. that's very. Yeah, we have a lot of people that get that, and it's uh, and so I think that would be great. I think that would be really informative, and you know, I think it's important to include them as well. So, yeah, thank you. Um, so we'll just arrange for that um this Saturday when I'll give you all the time. I mean, it's actually just 4 p.m. Pacific. I'm not. I think you're on Eastern time. Is that right? Yes, I am. Okay, so it would be seven. So I just want to say thank you so much. Um, and, guys, sorry I couldn't get to everybody. Um, just not feeling too great. Um, but I will be here Saturday, and Kim will be here Saturday, and we'll get questions answered. And, um, yeah, thank you so much. You really turned out to be an amazing guest. It's my pleasure. I, I, I hope that I can provide something that will – I think the most important thing is understanding what we're facing and uh, we need to stop trying to tell people what's going on with us and, and understand what we're what we're doing, what we're facing, and then maybe we can find solutions to get out of it. Yeah. Okay, thank you, and you're really gracious to the guests, too. I really appreciate that. Um, okay, guys, I'm just going to say goodnight now, and Ken will be in touch before Saturday, I hope, and uh, thank you again very much, everybody. Thanks, y'all. Good night. Good night.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.